0: Hello everybody, welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don as usual. Today we're going to be talking about side gigs. Uh, both Don and I, we we don't really do real jobs. We kind of have like part time work that we've patched together. So I think we'll discuss what the appeals of it are because I think it kind of works for the two of us. Maybe some of the downsides and look at it at like macro level.
1: Mm-hmm. Was that always like a plan for you? Like, did you have a plan for work? early on in life kind of thing that you're like okay i'm gonna get like this kind of job and work a normal job or something like that and then i mean because it it kind of evolved towards this over time but like was there like originally like oh i'm gonna go into this i'm gonna do this i'm gonna have this kind of full-time job or something
0: I, i guess it was sort of like a background assumption but i never had any specific ideas about it or or anything like that like when i was going to college and like taking that fairly seriously i was thinking like okay well maybe i'll pursue a phd and end up teaching or something like that but that was the same kind of thought process as like you know what i'm doing now where it's just sort of like this is the thing that's immediately in front of me that seems easy enough and it kind of works so i guess i'll do that kind of a thing mm-hmm. so yeah I, I guess the short answer is no
1: mm-hmm yeah for me it was uh Different where for like early in high school, I was kind of like thinking, I was really just, I just like, I I had like a very hostile attitude towards school and I was kind of just goofing off a lot. And then I think like about grade 11 or so, like my friends, a lot of them became very super like focused on, you know, we're going to succeed in this or that field kind of thing. And uh, I took accounting and uh, I really enjoyed it. I was like, this is, I don't know. I just found it a lot of fun. Mm. And, uh, I was like, okay, well then I'm going to get into, I was like, I'm going to get into business school and go into accounting. That was like my, you know, for like a few years, I was like, that's what's happening. And then I sort of got sucked into like political stuff. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do politics. And, uh, I always, for like a few years, probably until like 2004, 2005, I was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to walk straight from this into a job in ottawa or something like doing political kind of stuff or you know some sort of professional job and it didn't ever occur to me that i wouldn't do something like that you know like some full-time sort of job but it was kind of funny because even my friends at the time and all that were always sort of chiding me and stuff because i was very work shy kind of thing like i was not uh you know applying for jobs or anything like that most of the time i i only did worked here or there kind of thing on different summers and stuff and uh eventually you know the mental health stuff just accumulated and compounded until that kind of like blew me off track completely and uh, what has happened over the last while is that you know then I went into I got my master's eventually and since then the last two years you know it's just been a matter of piecing together a bit of work here and there to help save for the future basically and stuff like that like so I'm kind of in a weird transition period where I'm building up some of the gig work kind of stuff, you know, not gig, but like, you know, part time kind of stuff where I'm writing a bit and that and doing the podcast and stuff. So that's been helpful for me because uh I I know that I just know for a lot of different reasons that I wouldn't be able to handle um a standard kind of nine to five just kind of job. So, you know, it's helpful for me that there's that thing there. But at the same time it's it's it is something to do with how the labor market's structured and like the way that it's very strange and stuff where, you know, your job is also somehow your identity now and stuff in a lot of ways. And, oh. um, and, uh, anyways, that's, that's kind of why I'm interested in looking at new ways to piece together a bit more money because, um, you know, I don't live in, I don't have enough right now to, you know, live a full kind of life. Like I, like in terms of, I can't like afford like to rent a condo or something like that kind of, you know, like an apartment or whatever but i'm sort of in that in between thing where i'm like okay well how do i you know how do i piece together enough money to do that anyways it's just an interesting period to be in because i feel like i've gone through a huge sort of journey over the last 20 years or so changing my expectations a bunch of times where even before i was like well i i felt like i wouldn't even be able to do what i'm doing now like i'm doing a lot more than i thought i could you know 5 10 years ago or something so that's helpful in some ways so yeah
0: Yeah, I I I think I know a little. I mean, I think your like journey or whatever is is a lot more substantial than mine. But I feel like I can relate to that a little bit, just in the sense of like I've never planned anything out, and nothing has ever really like uh, just like worked out for me. I think you know, growing up, I was overseas, and I was a military brat, right? So my dad's idea of a job, like he grew up very poor, and he went into the military when he was 17 and so he doesn't really know what the job market is like so he wasn't really able to like advise me on this or even like he just didn't know he didn't go to college he didn't know how that worked like all that whole world is really really foreign to him so his plan for me was just like well you just enlist like i did i guess that you know that worked out for me they treat me well i got a pension it's stable you know it's all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff Um, But I was really opposed to that, like the Iraq war and everything was at its peak then. And so I was just really not interested in in enlisting and going over there to fight or something like that. Yeah. So he was like, well, okay, Uh, okay, then I I, but I can't really help you with that. So I I just never really had a sense of like, what was I supposed to be doing, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you're talking about your friends back then had this idea of like, oh, I'm going to, we're going to succeed in this or that kind of field. A lot of my friends, because like I was going to these international schools and stuff, a good portion of them were like rich kids, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was was government and military brats like me and rich kids from other countries or like local to that country. And so they just sort of like automatically get jobs, I guess, (laughs) some kind of thing. You just, it, it just happens for them. So we re- I don't remember talking about that stuff much at all. So for me it's just kind of been floating through and trying to figure things out and uh you know I dropped out of college after like a year the first go around and started doing a bunch of like really like just just crap jobs you know like mm-hmm. fast food and nighttime janitors and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And you know I hated that. It's it's one of those things where I, There's a, there's a kind of a line between like, I hate this, but I can do it because I need to. And then there's a line where I, and I think this is like a little bit, I, I'm more sensitive to this than it seems other people, because I just kind of fail and collapse at a certain point where I just can't do it if I'm not like intrinsically motivated to do it. So like at a certain point I was just like, I don't know. I just kind of like give up on, on applying effort to stuff. And then I, you know, I end up getting fired and I got to look for another one. And it's just kind of like failure after failure. So in a lot of ways, the, the situation that I've landed in has just kind of been like the situation that has organically developed as a result of just a lot of luck probably, but I I'm competent enough. Like I'm a smart person, but I'm not like traditionally a good worker kind of a thing. So Mm -hmm. I'm able to do this kind of thing where I can work for someone for like a couple hours or something like that and apply myself that long. And the fact that I don't have like a boss telling me to do that, but it's sort of like just my life situation is making me do this kind of makes it work for me. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people talk about like this gig work, sort of economy as if it's like a very dystopian terrible thing and i understand a lot of the criticisms and stuff but i think it works better for me than the 1950s like nine to five traditional sort of a thing like i i don't know unless i somehow managed to land in a job that was just like my joy in life i don't i think i would prefer doing something like this where i can like to some level dictate the terms a little bit even if it's yeah. not like I get to say like, okay, I only want to work this amount of hours in the week and, or whatever. It's a, uh, it's a little bit more like, well, I, I can, uh, I can choose what I don't want to do. And then like, whatever's left over, I can take that and make it work. So like, mm-hmm. I I I have like a, a negative choice. Like I can choose what not to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's working out okay. Like I, I have to think about things a little bit more like you have to really think about your your day like you you have to organize your time you have to be careful with your budgeting that's something that I've gotten into the past couple years and it's actually really helped me out financially I think like having like a firm idea of like how much money do I have coming in every month even if it's like variable to some extent and then like how much do I need to pay various bills and then i can like plan ahead in that kind of way and so it's sort of become more stable than anything else that i've done in my life so mm-hmm. it's kind of funny you know i guess it's just playing to my strengths i guess and if you want to sum it up that way
1: yeah i think for me it's also not just like an attitude thing you know what i mean it's not like i'm not just uh like we're, i think we both have that thing where it's like uh i don't know if it's like defiance or something but there's something about it where it's like that work reaches a point where it's not just a matter of uh not wanting to do it it's also that like it becomes almost impossible it seems to do kind of thing i don't know that's what for me at least like it's like yeah i know.
0: i'm i think the same it's the same for me where it's not like i i would like to be able to push through it but like i'm fighting myself <laughs> like yeah. the, like like it's almost like your body is fighting against it you know and it's uh i don't know i kind of envy people who don't seem to have that or something but sure i think i don't know i think part of it is like uh because i can get away with it sure that becomes a possibility becomes an option and mm-hmm. um I, I think if i couldn't get away with it it may, might be a little different like i would probably be able to like suck it up and and not be like i would be able to do something make them like actual money and have like a real job you know that kind of thing mm-hmm.
1: but yeah well, I, you know, I do think that there is this thing on the left you were talking about. You are saying about dystopian and that um, mm-hmm. there is this sort of left-wing idea sometimes. It doesn't just have to be left-wing, but it's sort of like a popular idea in the United States, especially where uh, they sort of romanticize in different ways the 9-to-5 sort of thing and like in the past and historical, where their sort of image of an economy that was working well is everyone that can work has good access to... and. I think to some extent it's implied really is urged into a full time job. Now, they might want a a lower work week or something like that, but it'll still be very similar sort of idea where like people are working on industrial sort of projects. You know, they might call it like Green New Deal stuff or something like that, but there's still this idea that like the average person has to be slotted into doing something with most of their time or like a good share of their time a lot of that is going to be in specific like, categories of work where you're just basically the average type of worker. In it. So you'll be like a teacher or a nurse, you know, in the more service economy oriented way that we are now, or, you know, bringing back manufacturing to the United States is always a big theme and all that kind of stuff, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's not necessarily... That is almost like uh, it's, it's a romanticized view of how things were at the time, especially because you know, a lot of the revolts in the 60s and stuff in 70s were against that model on the left kind of thing where it seemed very stultifying and very terrible to be condemned to that kind of thing, right? Like you're like, my whole life is just going to be working at like the Renault factory or whatever, you know, making cars, you know, stuff like that. It's like, the second that that model becomes consolidated, it becomes horrific to a lot of people, right? Where it's like, it's it's like the administrators see you as just that role you know they yeah. see you as just it's it's interesting because it's about expectations and stuff but there is that sort of thing to it where it's like it's this idea that well it'd be it'd be decent if everyone was just basically a school teacher or a nurse or something like that but a lot of people when that were confronted with that kind of situation immediately start to you know look for alternatives and it's it's interesting because it's hard to sort of piece apart what is the capitalist ideology and what is the sort of revolutionary thing being co-opted and stuff where obviously once that model started falling apart, you know, deindustrialization and move to service and move to sort of gig work and all that kind of stuff. That old model obviously got critiqued a lot in different ways by like feminists and different people who are like, well, we don't want to be condemned to that kind of thing. We want to be able to take jobs in like the arts or we want to be able to Maybe even like the beat generation kind of stuff prefigured it in a way where it's like people saying, well, we're not going to be fit into the social model because we're queer or because, you know, we have different values and things like that. So it's interesting that like, I don't know, there 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 is something there where I like, I don't know what's next, but I don't know if just rebuilding the old model is uh, the outcome that is going to end up happening. I don't know. Or like even it's not, it's not necessarily going to fit everyone. Um, it's very easy to come up with that kind of model when you're being like sort of sociological in the abstract and kind of go, okay, well, everyone will just sort of have a good job and do well. But I don't know, I feel like uh, I, I kind of agree more with the heart and Negri kind of stuff where it's like, we are so productive now that we can push beyond that kind of model even where, you know, we don't need to set it up in the same way where people are just so regimented throughout their day, um, which is what I sort of push up against in terms of, you know the defiant sort of stuff is that regimentation and sort of feel feeling uh, mm-hmm. forced into it and i mean it's hard because it's not like uh i don't feel like i'm against self-improvement in different ways like i feel like or like contributing like i feel like i do a lot where i'm trying to improve or trying to you know so i don't think that like someone that's lazy just completely lazy all the way down is, is going to go do a master's degree or something like that you know like but like uh it's hard because you don't know it's hard to piece apart what is mental health and what is ideology and all that so yeah.
0: yeah at what level does it is it really a personal criticism that you need to take to heart and like kind of work on some part of yourself and at what level is it like no it's it's just an unfair situation and that you are completely justified in feeling and responding to the situation the way that you do you know it's it it's pretty impossible i think to to really tease that apart. Yeah. But I, yeah, i agree with a lot of what you're saying there. I think one of the big things that i don't like about that regimentation that you're talking about, i don't mind like a disciplined, orderly, like even like the same thing day after day that doesn't bother me really. But i don't like that it steals away so much of your time and Like what I really enjoy in life is like learning stuff. I I love just like when I find something that I I don't really know much about and there's like a bunch to learn and I can just like read a bunch about it and practice things and then like get good at it. Mm -hmm. I I really love that, whatever it is. So to me like that, I, I think I would get bored of a job that doesn't really contain that as part of it. So that's something that I think the whole gig work thing works for me for because it's sort of like a constant thing that you have to do you have to think about like how how am I going to make this work and that's almost like a game in itself you know so you're kind of like trying to figure out the situation and piece together these little streams of income to add up to something that works for you and you have to manage your time manage your budget manage your expectations figure out like short-term, long-term decisions and all that kind of stuff. And I actually kind of like enjoy that in a weird way. I, I, I can see how a lot of people would find that very stressful and they would prefer just like the security of that nine to five. And, you know, I think that's probably what a lot of that kind of nostalgia is. It's the security and the fact that a lot of the criticisms that people have for gig work is the, you know, like if they're talking about like Uber drivers or something, how they get paid less than minimum wage when you work it all out that kind of thing. Like, obviously you could just, you know, like what if they were making more than minimal wage? What if they were making like a pretty decent wage doing that? Like, do the same criticisms apply or is it just the fact that they're not compensated enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So I I think a lot of people actually like that kind of stuff. Like when I talk to Uber drivers, they, you know, they generally have positive things to say about it. Um, Now I imagine like if they have negative things, they're just not going to say it to their passengers, but it seems like people kind of enjoy that, uh, the ability to like drive around, pick their hours, talk to people, you know, I don't know. I I can see the appeal, I guess. Yeah. The other thing is like, you, you can't really just like turn back the clock. Like it, this situation exists for like built in reasons. Like it's, it's kind of baked in at a certain point and it's going to develop into something else, presumably at some point. And, uh, I don't know if you can just force it to be different, you know, like, uh, certainly it's, you know, the economy and the, the capitalist nature of it and all that, you know, that's, that's not immutable that we can, we can form that in different ways. We can change that pretty dramatically if we, you know, if, if that were to occur, but I don't know if that would necessarily change the fact of what the entire like global economy is based on and how, what kind of work that requires. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? You you're the you're the econ guy, so <laughs> <laughs> critique my dumb dumb ideas.
1: Well, I mean, I think that the the sort of argument that people make is that the reason why you have this gig work and all these things is because people are forced into scraping by because of mass unemployment and things like that. Like there's sure. there's sort of maybe a, like a global level or even at a national level in a lot of places where a lot of people are just—they're not considered profitable enough to hire full time, so they kind of get shoved into these other jobs, and that's where you sort of get the critique against what you know stuff maybe like automation or whatever, where people think that somehow there's a large stratum of people who aren't profitable in a cap- in a capitalist sense, but might still be you know able to contribute in maybe some alternative or something if things were if if some part of the macro economy was different or if you know the only goal wasn't profitability and things like that so i can kind of understand that i just don't think that like uh i think that like the thing the things that people choose within an economy are not they don't always match up to the default leftist kind of view as you're saying like it's not just a matter of uh, changing their opinion about capitalism it's also like you want to change their opinion about a lot of ways that they're living within that or something right so and that's a much mm-hmm. harder argument to make people kind of think a lot of the times they're conflated where it's like okay well you know if we get rid of capitalism then people won't or like maybe some parts of capitalism whatever then people won't want to own their own own their own homes and things like that kind of thing like they won't worry about that because they'll just take it for granted that they have a place to live because the state assigns them a place or something like that but that's not necessarily true at all i mean it's just a or even like cars is maybe a better example in some ways where people go, well, if we had better public transit, then people wouldn't care about having a car. And usually those people might, you know, have very common sort of like urban ecology or something, you know, like some some views where they, they just don't like cars themselves much. Yeah, it, they happen but, to already <laughs> yeah. align
0: with this like future utopia that they're talking Sure. About.
1: So it's very easy for people, I think, to make those sort of decisions where, maybe the attachment some people have to old institutions in different ways might be irrational but i don't know i don't i feel like yeah like uh just folding the arguments and showing where they're making errors is not has almost nothing to do with it it's like it's the same thing with like religion or something like that where like what's the optimal spending on religion in a society or something like that kind of thing and it's like well you, you can't really come up with that ahead of time right like there's no way to you have to have some sort of accounting for that though in a socialist model or something. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah.
0: Yeah, the other thing like I think that gets treated similarly is like owning a small business. Yeah. You know, people kind of treat it as if like that's like the somehow it's almost like the the worst kind of a capitalist or something. Like if you are a big enough company, then it's some they see you as something that that can be like nationalized or co-opted and it like it actually performs a real function in the economy and it can kind of be like taken over and like used for socialist purposes but like the petty bourgeois like the the little mom and pop stores and all that kind of stuff like mm-hmm. that or, or even worse like the entrepreneurial brand guys you know that yeah, kind yeah. of thing like that they're, they're like the worst evil because they're just so, it's almost like purely parasitical or something like there's just no Room for that kind of person in in their vision or something, yeah, and uh and i I don't know i I think that there's that i I just don't see that as like the moral evil that I think that sometimes it gets characterized as by the left, you know, like i I don't think there's something wrong with like people who take pride in like owning their own business and putting in all their effort and stuff into like doing that themselves and it's kind of like theirs, you know I don't know that doesn't seem like a morally objectionable thing to me i think it's more like there's certain abuses and and stuff like that that can occur like that i can understand the criticisms but it's just i I don't know i I guess the the real thing is like that too often this stuff ends up being like an aesthetic argument rather than a real i want to say moral argument i guess for what what the a better world could be like because most people i think would agree that things aren't really too great and they could be a lot better and then it comes down to like what would be better and then people kind of quickly jump to like oh well i think this would be pretty you know and that's i don't know if that's the best way to go about like actually finding a solution that works for everybody you know
1: yeah i think that a lot of the focus ends up becoming on that like like sort of crushing small business in different ways like trying to like in china during the mouse period they would be like they call it like small trading and stuff they call it like uh tail enders people that still think in capitalist terms even though they uh, live in a socialist system and stuff and um and there's obviously very similar things that happened in the soviet union and stuff and i think that like i i really do think that like that sort of small time capitalist kind of stuff uh is the hardest thing to integrate into a socialist plan like it's not it's almost mm-hmm. like the last thing that you have to do um There is this impulse to want to tidy it up pretty quickly, to want to just sort of make it so that everything kind of gets hammered into this one model. I don't know. More and more I kind of agree with the left version of the socialist kind of thing where it's like the more international capitalism is, the more the integration has to happen in these sort of giant blocks kind of thing or, you know, in giant industries and stuff. Uh, within those sort of like major sectors like resources and transportation and stuff like that and then the small trading stuff on top of that you know, like there has to be like regulations and stuff but that's the last thing that you want to worry about integrating directly into some sort of giant state plan or something like that like that's not you know that's that's something that's just going to exist no matter what really for a long time so you have to kind of have that integrated somehow into national sorts of like things but you know Worrying about that when you're talking about like these giant flows of resources from place to place, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that. I think that is misleading a lot of the time, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, it's like getting mad at a a local restaurant instead of getting mad at like the developers that own, you know, huge parts of the real estate in the town or something like that kind of thing. So it it, it can be really like a misleading argument pretty quickly. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So speaking of like small time capitalists one thing that i a little project that i'm kind of putting together to see if i could make this work for myself i'm going to learn how to day trade so yeah i've been i've been watching youtubes about it and reading about it and stuff and yeah. i i'm going to get like a simulator well i guess i have like a, a simulator like you can essentially like load up the stock market and then like play it with like fake money essentially Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna see if i can make that work it's kind of interesting just i I think part of it is just like like i was saying before like it's just a new game to play kind of a thing like it's a new thing to learn about and stuff yeah so i don't know we'll see how that goes uh apparently it's it's not like a wolf of wall street like game stonk kind of stuff you know like certainly i think that is kind of part of what sparked the idea is like oh maybe this is something that i could actually do to make a little bit of money or something but yeah um yeah apparently it's it's really just about like putting together like a strategy a plan that kind of works for you and you just like stick to certain rules and you just make little gains and then that's how you do it i think it would work fairly well with my schedule like i said i have like the early part of the day free and stuff so i don't know it all kind of seems to work and i think like it appeals to like my gamer instincts and stuff so
1: yeah i don't know um, we'll,
0: we'll see how that goes
1: um yeah i think i think the listeners at this point know what my thoughts on a lot of this stuff is that like uh, <laughs> um it's it's very straightforward like pretty to me like a lot of it just gambling like it's not like the the systems that people propose and stuff are like you're you have to think like okay what what information am i using that other traders don't have that's the thing right it's sure, like, yeah. what am I going to do that makes me the profit because someone else makes a mistake or something like that? And I'm not saying you can't do that. There's lots of, there's lots of evidence that you can probably do that. Especially if you're like, you know, if you see that everyone on Reddit is jumping into a particular stock, you can sort of jump in and then jump out, you know, once it goes up or something like that. Sometimes you can do that kind of thing. But I feel like most people that are getting involved in these kind of things are going to lose money because... Or at least someone is. Someone's losing money because...
0: Uh, well, I think statistically something like 95% of people are unsuccessful.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think it's very tempting, but I don't know. Uh, I feel like you need to get like a, some sort of specialized in knowledge of some sort of market. Like it's not... It wouldn't be just stocks in general even. It's like, it's like do you know, like, uh, you know, maybe computer parts or something like that and stuff. Yeah, but that's kind of where you know, my
0: thoughts are, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, but yeah, I tend to be more, yeah, in the camp that that's, that's either like a professional thing, like you either work in a big tower and you're doing that for another company or uh, you probably are not going to be able to beat the long-term sort of thing of like you're in terms of like effort put into it, money out kind of thing. But, sure. you know, I don't know. It's one of those things where, I don't know, I, I have the same temptation a lot of the time where it's like, you know, you get a bit of extra money. You're like, what What can I use use to maybe boost it a bit or something like that? So, I'm not sure myself what I'll do. But, um, yeah, I've been trying to read more about this kind of stuff, though, about, like, different things about trading and stuff and learn about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I read that, like, the number of uh, applications for trading like accounts and stuff like just the being able to invest in different ways in canada i've just gone through the roof like they're not even oh, yeah. they're not even able really to manage it um and uh people are really angry i guess because they call in uh a lot of these places like they are calling into places and in, uh, in the united states too where um you know a lot of the people are new traders and stuff so they don't know the details of like what's going on and stuff like Uh, I read one story where a woman said that they like monitor the calls of traders like calling in to fix something with their account or something and they said you know my stock went up can you can I like cash in part of that and uh, keep the rest like there like maybe you know maybe if it was like a ten thousand dollars value of their investment they were like can I take five thousand out now and then keep the five thousand in there They're like yeah well then you just you have to like sell half of your stock, whatever, right? And -hmm. they're like, no, 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 don't sell any of the stock. Just take 5,000 out. (laughs) And uh, that's the kind of thing where it's like, people have that level of knowledge, I think, where it's like, you know, they're involved in somehow, but like, it's a very easy to go off the rails with it, I think. So I don't know. I I always, yeah, yeah. I I hear you. I hear you. Like,
0: uh, that's all fair criticism. (laughs) Uh, That's, that's why I'm doing, I want to do this like simulated at first. Sure. yeah try it out for a few months there's like patterns and stuff i guess that people recognize and kind of have a strategy when they see a, a pattern they kind of apply a certain you know method of, of okay i'm gonna do this when i when i see this happening and then you uh you, you try to find something that works out more than it loses you you know like sure you're, you're gonna lose like Probably like half and half or something, but you just kind of like figure out something that will, in the end, give you a, you know some profit in the end of the day. I'm not trying yeah. to do like some like you're talking about like five thousand, ten thousand dollars or something. Yeah. I, that is not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like I have a few hundred bucks and I spend like fifty here, fifty there during a day. You know, like really sure. small time stuff. But yeah, yeah, and I don't that know. Can be fun, it, it's just it's something not, yeah. to. Right. It's fun. It's something to kind of, I, I would like to learn a little bit more about how the stock market actually works and how someone like a, like how do traders actually make money? How does, what's the actual, you sure. know, like day to day of that. I don't know. It's just something to yeah. try out. Yeah. I, I'm, now, I'm, I have a very conservative sort of mindset sure. towards this. I'm not looking to like just cash out big stonk money.
1: Sure. It's just, uh, this, this past few weeks have been a bit nerve wracking for someone like me that, uh, tends to not believe a lot of that stuff. So it's like, uh, um, it, you know, seeing people put a lot of money in and stuff or uh, yeah. it's like, oh, no, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, it is gambling at some level. So it's like, uh, as long as it, you know, as long as you have fun doing it, I don't know, it's not like
0: right. something in the world. So. It is halal. I will say that it's not technically gambling from an Islamic point of view. So okay, <laughs> there's that. But yeah. I, to, to me, I feel like it's the it's gambling in the sense that it's speculative on some level but yeah. i think there's a difference between playing you know there's gambling gambling on the stock market like just yolo like throw your whole life savings on something kind sure. of a thing and then there's like just the inherent kind of like instability of a market you know so i i don't know if it's that different from um I mean, it all depends how you approach it, right? What what, what, mm-hmm. it, what do you actually do there? It's kind of up to your own, own behavior. So, I don't know. That's yeah. that's the mindset I have about it. Yeah. We'll see. I, I, I will probably lose interest after like a month or so, but we'll see how it sure. goes.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's the same thing for a Catholic where it's like if you have like a set amount of money basically that you're putting aside to gamble with uh, or like to, you know, to have fun with kind of thing, that's different morally – And then, like, you don't expect to be able to live off of it kind of thing. It's more just, like, a fun thing to do. Uh, Apparently, that's okay. Um, If you're doing it in terms of, like, uh, you're, like, a professional gambler, um, that's not really as good (laughs) a thing, you know, if you're, like, actually going to places, like, trying to... Oh, yeah, and it has to be completely fair, that sort of thing, too. Like, it has Mm -hmm. to be not... Or, like, at least not to your advantage or something, so... Um, Right,
0: like, you can't be cheating.
1: Yeah. And, uh, but, like... You know, just it, the person that puts aside a bit of money for a lottery ticket every week or something is not in moral jeopardy or anything, I don't think. So, yeah. Sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. The, the level of randomness involved here or the level of, like, unknowability kind of appeals to, like I was saying, like, the gamey kind of aspect. Like, the, the games I like to play are sort of like that. Like, they're built around cards or just, like, random number generation, that kind of stuff. So I feel like I have some... Like I kind of get the mentality a little bit of how you work that to sure. the, where it's like you kind of understand there's some instability here and you, you need to factor that in. You you don't just like hope that it works out for you kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure.
0: But yeah, I don't, I mean, the, the reason I bring that up is like, that's another example of just like a, piecing together a, a stream of income potentially, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so yeah it's funny that that's become such like a big phenomenon lately it yeah really fits well with the whole gig work economy kind of a thing because it you know like I'm describing it fits my schedule as someone who kind of does that sort of thing I imagine that's true for a lot of different people, especially now you know with the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff people being out of work uh yeah it's crazy it, it makes a lot of sense but it's it's very weird mm-hmm
1: yeah, a lot of these apps have like millions of uh, people that use them. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty surprising. A lot of them actually make money. I think I've talked about this before, but a lot of them make money just off cash. Like they, you hold cash a lot of the time in some of these, mm-hmm. and uh, they just le- they just lend it back to a bank or something like that kind of thing. That's like where they make a lot of their money. So they don't actually make money off the trades a lot of the time. They make them just off of uh, expecting that people will keep at least a little bit of money in their accounts.
0: Stuff, right. So. And I was reading so, that, um, you know, Robin Hood and some of these other places were restricting the trades on some of these meme stocks and stuff. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I was reading that some of the explanations people have for that. It's not some, like, conspiracy necessarily. Like, this is this is a, a way of explaining that in a way that isn't sort of suggesting that. It's that they actually ran out of money and they were not able to process, like, the... The, the amount of trades that were coming through for these things. So this was their way of like of limiting that so they could actually like fulfill the trades that were being requested and stuff.
1: Yeah. They have a, like a risk management desk, I guess. And they kind of say like they need to be able to sort of cover at least a percentage of all of the trades in a way that, you know, that like the, the risk is some somewhat borne by them to some degree kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so once the trades become giant and uh, you know, there's millions of them, uh, they have to put more and more money aside to be able to, you know, technically at least cover some of the, the trades that they're making until, you know, until everything clears or something like that. So I think what happened is they got into like a jam with that and uh, they got themselves out by borrowing money and stuff and yeah. by kind of showing that they everything was probably going to clear fine. But, I mean, I would be worried if I were them too in a lot of ways where a lot of people are probably... You know, they, I think, I think a lot of the people that are involved in this kind of stuff don't have, you know, it's not like, you know, some of them probably have extra money and they're putting it aside and putting it to the apps and stuff. But I feel like there's some people that are doing it that just have debts of their own and stuff like that, where, uh, you know, technically it can get, you know, like they could get themselves into a jam themselves using the apps and stuff, right? So, or it could contribute where, yeah, so... I mean, that's just a risk with any bank is just that these are sort of weird online banks, brokerages kind of stuff that blend a lot of, you know, blur a lot of lines. And that's, I mean, that's part of the reason why for like 30 or 40 years, at least like a lot of these things were just not allowed in different ways, right? Like Mm. uh, it's it's really the sort of like hyper computerization or something like that of that allows a lot of this stuff. So, because it gets into weird places pretty quickly, like, you know, what, what ends up happening if these things go bankrupt and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it's funny, like that the technology has enabled a lot of these kinds of things. Like, pe- yeah. a lot of people do streaming, you know, make a little sure. bit of money that way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, podcasting and all this kind of stuff. Uh, even just writing, you know, like it, sure. that I think has changed the nature of the way that works because you can just yeah. submit things online. You don't have to like go into, you know, to an office of some kind or whatever. Sure um yeah and i don't i don't think that's a bad thing necessarily sure. like if yeah. it at least like if it, when you just consider like you live in this world at you know in this time that's what the situation is like you want to exactly. yeah. make it work for your advantage like and just take the opportunities you can so yeah i don't know maybe that's another thing i'll get into maybe i'll start streaming some games or something like that yeah. um just spend every every minute of my life doing something that is marginally profitable <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: well you know that it, you, you know you brought up writing and that's something where for me I, I for for many years i had no interest in that or like in the way that like it sort of built more recently where you know i would just I'd tell jokes and, and a lot of the times when i was telling jokes online and stuff it was like it was basically hostile to my own interests in different ways, right? Like I was just like right. insulting people and stuff and being rude and it's it's developed into like, I, I think I am good enough to write professionally now as a skill, like I could, especially with more work or something like that, like I could just keep doing that. But, um, you know, I have a lot of confusion around it still where I'm working through and a lot of like anxieties and stuff where it's like, uh, you know, most of the articles that I've written, people have come to me and said here's an idea and stuff and or like here's a basic you know setup or something like that and then yeah ghost um, writers right that's what you're talking about but uh um to get into that next level kind of thing where it's like okay well i have to be able to you know basically do enough discipline to work on a project over months kind of thing or something or weeks at least where i'm writing something that I do legwork for and uh, you know, um, it's not just kind of you know, most most articles now really other than just sort of plain news stuff, uh, work out to be here's an opinion on something that I saw online or something like that, basically, right? Like that's what a lot mm-hmm. of them are that most people have. And uh, you know, I've always found it hard to want to compete in that sort of marketplace because it's like uh it, it, it feels like low-hanging fruit to some extent like it's just kind of uh and i feel like uh, it feels almost like a complete market to me like there's just there's you know the market for takes is that there's always going to be another person offering that same take most of the time kind of thing so i always always like well maybe i can do quirky sort of humor pieces and stuff like that and that would be a bit better because it's more my viewpoint and all that kind of stuff but um, if I want to make it into a where I'm earning enough money to like live off of, it's it's got to be something where it's an ongoing thing, number one, and number two, it's got to have some sort of value added beyond just the just the humor kind of thing. It's got to have some sort of angle to it where I'm doing like actual reporting or writing or something where you know, there's more to it in a sense that the reader's getting more out of it than just, oh, this is something funny that Don wrote or something like that. It's got to be something that appeals more broadly or something so um that's hard to wrap my mind around a lot of the time because it's like to put effort into that is hard because it's very easy for me just to put one foot in front of the other a lot of the time mm. um and then uh so you know it, i think there's something there in more general sense too where a lot of people are being confronted right now with uh, you know how do they transform their small things into something bigger and uh, you know that's going to take work that traditionally you would kind of get that in old institutions and stuff right and i could pay for courses and stuff but um you know it'd be better just i think a lot of the time just for discipline just to read more about it and talk to more people about it in person um and then sort of work my way up from there so yeah but it is exciting i mean it's it's cool that i mean i think we're both very lucky in a lot of ways to be able to not just be Colton mining or something like that you know like we're yeah we're kind of like we're we're lucky that we can kind of get by and uh to some extent and um yeah uh, do things that
0: we kind of on some level might otherwise want to do for just its own sake and then kind of spin it into some sort of actual sure like value for society on some level
1: (laughs) yeah yeah like I think that down the line I could do more business journalism or something like that or something that takes like my existing skills and then just kind of pushes them up a notch and then use that as like a irregular income over time kind of thing um but i I don't know that's i think a lot of people are in that situation right now where uh, they might be unemployed or they might be stuck in a job they don't like and they're they're trying to figure out some way of working out something that will just basically allow them to survive so yeah
0: yeah i I mean i think that's a the pressure of it is not good but the fact that there's almost anything you can do now and find a way to make some money doing it i think that's actually like a great thing that people don't have to like conform to that very rigid idea of like what work is and they can kind of like just look at their life and evaluate like what aspects of the of the way that i live my life can i turn into a job of some kind and then just put it together and then you end up kind of just getting paid to live in some sense you know i think that's that's kind of a cool thing Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's not doesn't
1: necessarily work for most people or even like i think it's it's what it's a realistic option for me i guess is what i would say down the line so yeah yeah
0: it all depends right yeah um yeah okay so question time sure uh someone here says am i doing slav face by singing along with rasputin by bony m um i don't know this song do you know this song or- i actually don't i know it was like a big song or it's kind of like a icon of pop culture or something i, oh, I really? don't even know what it sounds like i don't I know i guess i've heard, heard about it. it a bunch so
1: yeah is it who, who is Boney m no idea Okay. <laughs> are we going to sure. give him a pass? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like if I don't know, then no harm, no foul. So.
0: Yeah. All right. So yeah, go ahead. You can do it. Yeah. All right. What are you guys' opinions on frozen vegetables and fruits? I usually buy them because they last way longer and involve less prep work than normal veggies. Also, maybe I have a limited palate, but they taste pretty much the same as any other vegetable to me um a lot of uh frozen vegetables are actually better frozen than the fresh like peas are a great example of that and that's because they freeze them when they're perfectly ripe and then when you thaw them out or you cook them or whatever you you're getting essentially like a fresh vegetable uh I didn't know so that. wow yeah so, so some of them i mean the ones you like are probably the good ones to get you know what i mean like the whatever you like like it's probably fine mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times it's cheaper so that's always a good thing mm-hmm. yeah I got nothing against it and like frozen fruits and stuff that can be good you, you know you you got to eat them in different ways like put them in a smoothie or bake them in a dessert or something or I don't know sometimes I'll get grapes and freeze them like so <laughs> yeah I don't know frozen fruits and veggies get a thumbs up for me mm-hmm well
1: I don't know. I always thought that it was like, I always thought it was the opposite that, like, when you're eating vegetables that were frozen, like, they're somehow, they've lost all their things, or whatever. I don't know. So, well, that can be the case. The vitamins, or,
0: oh, really? Yeah. I mean, like, if, if it's a, uh, I don't know. Tabs would know this a lot better. She would have, like, a whole thing <laughs> yeah. to go on, on this. But, uh, yeah, it just depends. So I guess my rule of thumb is if if you like them frozen, then go at it. Oh, okay. because it it might just be even better than fresh.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I have a lot of weird theories about food that just end up floating around up there that have no basis in reality. So <laughs> sure. I've got to work on that. But yeah, I do have to start eating a lot more vegetables. I I am very big fan of like beige food i have to Mm -hmm. work on that so i don't know that's good news for me i don't know maybe i'll get some stuff and make i don't know i can make like more chilies and stuff like that too i
0: think yeah yeah chili's great now is great chili weather you know sure i don't know about you it's it's really cold
1: up here Oh yeah Yeah, like it's down here compared to you sure it's uh yeah no i think we're at the same basic latitude or whatever i'm not sure but yeah um yeah, I think that like uh it just mean like solid ice outside
0: for for a lot. I don't know. Just like yeah, really and just high. snowing yeah. like crazy. Yeah. So it just means more quarantine for me, you know? Sure. Yeah. It's all upside for old Tom. Yeah. Uh all right, so let's move on. Um I've been interested in China PRC anxiety recently. I'm seeing a lot of people pretty certain that Chinese interests and ideology mean that it must be planning to land some crippling blow on the U S economy this decade using instruments, including COVID and puppet president, uh, Jiden, Biden with an X basically, uh, before it assumes a hegemonic role in great reset era capitalism in like the 2030s or something. What do you guys make of all that stuff? um, yeah, I don't know. It just reminds
1: me of like early 20th century capitalism or something like that. A lot of it, like mm-hmm. just where it's like these giant like national tr- like Lenin said that like the the ultimate stage of capitalism was national trusts, basically like just giant state led corporations competing with each other and in, in rivalry for trying to expand to more and more markets and stuff like that. Like that seems pretty much what a lot of these countries are doing. Like, uh, like they're they're trying to develop a culture where you know the whole country uh is sort of divided up into these state-led firms or big co- companies that you know they call them national champions or something where they can be private but they somehow have patriotic obligations and stuff um that was how, how places like japan and korea developed and it seems like how right china is developing and uh, i don't know i don't feel like that's uh that is particularly new um, Some of the technology stuff, I guess, gets a bit weird, like the being able to control um, discourse in different ways. People find that, you know, um, especially weird sometimes. And but I don't know, I, I feel like I, it's one of those things where a, a lot of people that I know are really on the bandwagon now of pretending, either pretending or sincerely believing that China is the future in different ways. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, to me, it just feels like the '90s or something, where people early '90s, late '80s, where people were like, Japan is going to take over, or something. Like it just right, it shifts. Which every we need to get back years. to. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay with. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't know. I always feel like it'd be it'd be cool if the next one is like Africa in general or something, where it's like the African century. We're gonna everything is going to develop in Africa and they've got such a large population that uh, they're the ones that are going to define the next 20 years. Or something. You know, like I, I feel like it can shift to different places based on expectations. So it'd be neat if uh, it moved to different places and it's not just China, but yeah, I don't know.
0: I've seen some talk about Africa in that way. Sure. Yeah. Because I are like yeah. really young and all this sort of stuff. Sure.
1: Yeah. And uh, or India rising is a big motif too. No, um, India's never going anywhere. <laughs> so, I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like it's, it's just... A, like, we don't even know if the government in China could flip to something completely different than what it is now in different ways. Like, people have this idea that things are highly managed and could be just permanently on one track, but betting that one country will be on one track forever is exactly what happened in the Soviet Union, it's exactly what happened all over the place like there's just you know uh it's very easy for things to you know things that seem obvious to uh, fall apart so i don't know yeah
0: yeah kind of the classic problem of take all the existing trends right now and just extrapolate them forward as if they you know no new factors or anything will change in that time and then oh yeah. no look look what will happen if yeah. nothing changes in the intervening years
1: yeah or or stuff like uh people focus on one one side of a trend and don't like uh like you know like during the cold war one of the funny things that happened was the soviet union started shifting towards this idea that like they were the peace coalition kind of thing and that they were uh you know fighting very hard for uh, nuclear disarmament and stuff like that and it's funny because you know, they're full on in the arms race, right? Both, yeah. You know, and uh, they're exporting arms and stuff like that. They're saying that, that we're the ones that would actually want to disarm and stuff. And it's, it's a, uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of that in politics where people going to, especially with China now where people are kind of like, you know, like China has been over the last 10, 20 years have been increasing military spending a lot and on new technologies. And also just, just overall, you know, like uh, really intensifying its, you know, foreign policy operations and stuff like that kind of thing. And uh, it's still because, I mean, China, they're paying the soldiers less and stuff, obviously, um, and the workers that make the things less. You know, it's not comparable to the United States directly, right? Because you're just comparing, you know, it's not, you know, United States doesn't, I mean, China doesn't have to pay like a grunt soldier twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year in the same way like that. You know, United States does whatever and stuff like that, right? But that doesn't really get talked about when people are talking about oh, the United States wants to go to war with China and stuff like that, right? Like the I don't know. I always feel like these are just anyway any of these big national rivalries and stuff. They're not your friends on either side. <laughs> they're 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 trying yeah. to like they're trying. I don't know. And not only that, but they are friends more often than not. <laughs> it's like like the two not like mm-hmm. the big national rivalries and stuff are always like you know like rich chinese people send their kids to a lot of the time to schools and i mean recently they haven't but uh you know a lot of them uh send them to schools in the united states and the west and stuff it's not like it's not like they're hostile to the west in in some broadway or something like that too they just uh right. they invest a lot overseas and a lot of chinese companies have a lot of invested in places like the united states and stuff and uh yeah like the integration is very high i think in a lot of these places so yeah Yeah.
0: And that kind of narrative is often mutually beneficial in different ways. And that's why it exists, you know?
1: Yeah. Or I, I always think too about like, uh, people make this point with Russia and stuff. And, you know, I always joke about this, but like, uh, like internal to Russia, the debate on a lot of these things, you know, the popular, at least, at least the availability of these views, not even just has to be like dominant or the only one or whatever, but like are often far right perspectives right like like if you're talking about like uh like people make a lot of points about like the epoch times in the west being like a Falun Gong kind of far-right thing that's related to Trump and stuff right but like mm-hmm. RT and a lot of the right a lot of the things are are completely in the back were in the back at least for Trump a lot of the time like pushing a lot of conspiracy theories of their own and all that kind of stuff right so it's like I don't know I just, I find it hard not to just try to apply rules generally, I guess, kind of thing, you know? Like, it's just, it, it the contradictions are just too profound for me. I don't know, it just seems very strange. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Don, do you think that they'll do a Band of Brothers-style HBO special for the veterans of the Troll Wars? <laughs> uh, Yeah, that'd be good. And uh, Tom Hanks
1: can play me. and um yeah i don't know i uh
0: have you watched that recently or or Uh, no not recently i watched it a little bit when it first was like on hbo or whatever it was like way back yeah
1: it's a good show i don't know i was watching it uh a few episodes um with my mom last year or whatever but uh i don't know it's it's pretty good I don't know. I like those kind of things, like World War II shows and stuff. I watched uh, um, Saving Private Ryan again um, recently, yeah, and uh, which is you know basically where the concept got extrapolated into the show, right? Yeah, Band of
0: Brothers is basically Saving Private Ryan, the show.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I, it was a lot more cheesy than I remembered, and a lot more like uh, you know just just weird in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's always like uh spielberg stuff whatever it's like everything that happens gets upturned whatever later on like someone will just get shot for no reason a lot of the time but it somehow connects to their character in some way like they anyways but uh, uh i was still like at the end i was still like oh that's nice kind of thing i don't know you know like people get really angry about how much propaganda it is or whatever and it's like i don't know i can't you know that doesn't bother me right at this point but yeah
0: yeah i i appreciated that like era or that kind of little sub-genre of war stuff that was like really tried to portray a lot of like minor detail with a lot of realism so like the story is okay maybe the story is kind of hokey and hammy and stuff but like the the background detail was like they did a lot of research to make that like authentic i i don't know i appreciate that kind of stuff sure. and i think um that show, from what I remember, did a good job with that. And like the I always kinda of think of that uh miniseries Generation Kill as sort of being like they did they did the Band of Brothers thing but for the Iraq war in a way. I don't know. Was that Did you good ever or... see that?
1: No, was it was it good or
0: I thought it was pretty good. Um Yeah, it, it wasn't like the best thing in the world. There, I don't know. I have to go and rewatch it, but I remember like having a, a net positive impression of it, but uh, yeah, there's probably, I don't know. I can't remember enough of it to like speak specifically about it, but I, I I remember like there are certain things that were kind of like a little disappointed with certain choices they made or something like that. Mm -hmm. I, I, the, that movie three Kings. Do you remember that? Yeah. That movie I really liked and it, it's not aged well. It's very, like, 90s or whatever, early 1000s or whenever it came out. It's, like it, it's very much a product of that time, and I think it kind of has not aged very well. But uh, Generation Kill, it sort of reminds me of Band of Brothers crossed with Three Kings somehow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out. All right, are the You Can't Win hosts, materialists, creationists, emanationists, or something else? Where did all this shit come from? So I guess um, they're asking our theological category here. Yeah,
1: I don't know much about that kind of stuff. I don't know. Feels a bit above my pay grade kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of these things for uh, philosophy and like or like, you know, high theory kind of stuff. There tends to be, like, for any anything, including, uh, you know, including more atheistic views on whatever, there tends to be good arguments against each kind of thing a lot of the time. Yeah. You kind of hear it and you go, oh, okay. And then I find this in philosophy departments a lot. Like, there's people kind of have their pet argument and then they know the arguments against it and they just assume. They don't assume, but, like, they, they kind of go, oh, well, that's just dumb because it's like, you know. But then they believe the the easy arguments against something else or something like that kind of thing, right? Like they like For all the sure. different schools and camps, whatever. And a lot of the philosophy degrees and stuff are just basically piling up the arguments, knowing which ones are you know on each thing, whatever. But they always uh, remind me of this uh, this part from A Mighty Wind where they're talking <laughs> about like a cult, and uh, they're like they they're involved in some sort of weird mystic. It's like this big family band whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. and they yeah, they're involved in this, some sort of weird mystic thing kind of thing. And uh, uh the guy goes, you know, this is not some hooky cult stuff whatever, you know. Uh you know, all you know, the only thing that we really teach is that you know, all matter is uh, light existing on the 49th vibration or something like that. And he goes, <laughs> uh, you'd think of that just walking down the street or whatever, you know like uh, <laughs> and uh, I like that because that's what like most philosophy sounds like to me you know or like theology sure, or yeah. anything it's like people saying things like with confidence and then it it you know like oh you know well obviously we never you know all matter was just uh, existed for all of time and it was didn't need to be created because uh, time is a, a extension of matter and therefore it there was just always matter at some point and then uh uh, you know that that's something you just come up walking down the street or <laughs> it's like you know it's like well no i don't know that doesn't make sense to me but the more religious ones don't really make sense to me to some extent but it's like that's not what the religion is founded on in my mind so yeah
0: right yeah I, the older i get the more like joe rogan brain i have where whatever someone is saying just makes sense to me and if i were to like say so what you're saying is da 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 they would probably be like no i'm not saying that at all that's completely wrong <laughs> but to yeah. me like i'm able to just take whatever someone's ideas are and kind of like fit it into my framework i have no idea what you would call it because i just have done that with everything so anybody that i've i could say like i identify with that kind of school of thought or whatever they would probably all think like no you idiot you got this all wrong well it was like well sure. everyone is telling me that so i don't know w- where i would slot in yeah i tend to like like hybrid sort of like liminal types of people who kind of straddle two kind of schools of thought or they kind of don't fit in well like they kind of seem to i don't know all all these like somewhat rigid categories all kind of feel like well that's a certain way of looking at it but that's not the whole picture and then people who are kind of able to like combine them or hybridize them or whatever that seems to be a little bit more productive i think like that or at least it's more interesting and I, I i guess ultimately i just think no one really has all the answers so like generally you'll you'll get closer to the truth by kind of like finding the little weird border areas and stuff mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know we'll all figure it out at the end we'll see we'll see what <laughs> this is yeah. all about yeah we'll find out all right i live in a basement how can i get out of the basement convert to islam take part in a multi-level marketing scheme Make an fans please help
1: so very, very, uh, applicable for this episode. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's not, I mean, it's, it's hard to be like, oh, you just got to get a job or something like that when we just told people not to do that in some extent, but like, uh, yeah, three uh, letters G M E. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I feel like I got to go aside with thousands your quarantine right now because I feel like being <laughs> stuck in a basement right now is a good thing. Um, yeah maybe worry about this in like six months or a year or something if we're allowed back outside then maybe worry about it but like uh, at this point you know like i'm i'm living with my parents right now it's not it's not it's not the worst because uh, you know there's not a lot of alternative stuff to be doing all the time or whatever so it's it's been helpful in some ways to be just saving money and planning for the future so um yeah i don't know i feel like that would be a good thing depending on your financial situation and stuff planning on uh putting one foot in front of the for in front of the other for the future or something. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I would say, I mean, it depends if you have some kind of income, if you don't have income or you don't have sufficient income to, to do anything about it, um, try and sort that out. And we've kind of discussed different ways and different like ways of thinking about that, this episode. So hopefully that was helpful. If you do have an income, you want to try to be efficient with it, I guess. Like if it's mainly a matter of money, like I would say, like you, you want to like cut costs where you can um, get serious about like how much money do you need and how are you going to save it? That kind of thing. If you're able to do that with whatever income you have now, then, you know, just be serious about it. Don't spend that money. You know, you, you have a, a goal for it. I find that if I don't have some sense of like, what the next step and the next step after that and the step after that is i get really unfocused so i'm always thinking like okay i'm doing this now and i'm working towards this goal once i meet that goal i'm going to work towards this next goal and it's not like that i'm not single-mindedly focused on that every day until i meet the goal but it's just good to have that in mind so that whenever there's a decision point that could affect that goal you, you understand like okay well i'm trying to get to that goal so is this going to hurt me in my pursuit of that? And is that something I'm willing to do? You know, that kind of a thing. So I don't know. That's, that's my suggestion is to kind of like get organized and, um, and try to be e- efficient with your money and your time and stuff like that until you, you know, you can get out of that basement. Sure. Although, yeah, as Don said, you're never leaving it. So, this is all hypothetical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about Norm Finkelstein's idea of universities hosting Holocaust deniers in classes so the students could learn from them and refute their ideas? Could we maybe apply this to other groups of people, such as people who want to nuke Tel Aviv or people who think women can't read? It's a good idea.
1: I guess it would depend on whether or not you get like an honorarium for doing it if, mm. if it's just free then you know you would only get like the dregs of society then but if you paid like five hundred dollars for a school visit or something you know and yeah. uh, it went to people that thought that you should nuke telviv or something like that like uh i could see that working you know it might be a good sidekick
0: yeah i didn't know uh finkelstein was that had this idea this is funny he's a funny guy yeah
1: I mean, that seems like a pretty trollish idea anyways, but like, uh, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that for that. But yeah. Really <laughs> <know>.
0: <laughs> yeah. He was good on the true Anon episode. He went on true and recently. Oh really? Yeah. It was really fun. He was talking about his like early days and stuff and yeah, he, he just a fun interview. Mm hmm. Um, what the hell are locked accounts hiding behind the lock? Good posts, winning lotto numbers, pervert stuff. Can we put all these freaks in jail? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I guess they're locked. How am I supposed to know?
1: Yeah. I've never had the urge to just have like a locked account. I don't
0: know. I don't understand it either. Uh,
1: I locked a few times when I was, uh, trying to limit, limit the number of people that followed me. Cause I thought that'd be funny, but like, uh, maybe in the future once uh, this account gets banned or something I'll the uh, switch over
0: to friends only account or something i I just don't under to me if you're I kind of like bake in the the locked thing like you I guess locking your account is you don't want to have all of your posts be visible so you don't want to post something that people would see and that you don't have a, an ability to choose who's seeing it right? I feel like I would just not post anything that I don't want someone to see, you know, like anything I'm posting is already past the threshold of like, this is just, you know, the whole public can see. I don't really care who sees this. Mm -hmm. There's no level in between, like no post and post for me. It's either, for the whole public or it's, or it's not. And then I just don't post it at all. There's no like in between where it's like, I only want 20 people to see this or something. Sure. You know, yeah. if it's going to be like that, well, I'll just go say it to them. I don't, I don't know. You know, people use this differently, but that's, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Uh I have information that will lead to the arrest of, okay. So it says Kapamala Harris with tr- triple K, but I will only reveal it. If Don admits he is a journalist. <laughs> oh no. You got to take uh, one for the team, bud.
1: I don't know. I uh do I count as a journalist? How does that work? I don't know. I, you I, are I, you, know. you are a journalist. You you journal. have a journal. Yeah, microblog. Right. And uh,
0: therefore, okay. Q- QED
1: ergo. Yeah. Then I need to get the blue check from there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fair I, deal. That's what I should get. In, yeah, that's what I get in exchange.
0: Yeah, you get the blue check, you admit you're a journalist and then we Throw that bitch in jail. Sure. All right. Okay, we'll end with this one here. Why is Tom so loving of the black man, but so scared of the yellow man? Is it part of his act as a racial renegade? Hmm. I never thought of myself as loving of the black man. I thought it was more like the black community loves me, and I just kind of reciprocate, you know. Yeah. And not scared of the yellow man. I'm just woke on the yellow menace oh this is how yeah. i see it <laughs> sure um
1: yeah no I, I that was my impression too that you're widely beloved in the black community
0: um yeah you
1: know. yeah i see a lot of like viral clips about you
0: and stuff yeah world star, yeah, world star and all yeah. that yeah yeah and, and then the racial renegade thing is kind of fun I, I really don't think of myself as like a like some kind of like wigger kind of thing for muslims or something like that but yeah. i guess some people just white guy muslim it just automatically parses that way which i can mm. appreciate you know i i understand that a little bit but it just that that's not how i uh how i see it i, it, I think that I don't know. I, I guess I I'm, I just know enough white Muslims now that it's not a weird thing to me. But I suppose that is kind of like the the normal way to see that. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay, sure. All right, guys. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like a second one every week, you can sign up for the Patreon. Uh, For five bucks, you get a second one, as well as access to our Discord, where you can chat with us in our lovely community. If you'd like to send us questions anonymously, you can go to our Twitter account, at YouCan'tWinPod. There's a Curious Cat uh, link posted there, and then you'll send those in. We'll answer them on the the next free episode. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. See you guys.